podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7 liter high output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power. Whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks. This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello there, guys. What is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another edition of Let's Talk Chelsea, breaking down the latest news around Stamford Bridge. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe. Got quite a bit of news to get through today. Thomas Tuchel at Bayern Munich trying to take Anthony Barry from Graham Potter's coaching staff. Mateo Kovacic's potential exit this summer. It's that time of year again where we have a kit release or a kit leak to react to. We'll talk about Mason Mount contract stuff and kind of the non-updates and exclusives that we've seen over the past week that are just ridiculous. And as well, I do have a little bit to say on Conte's exit and failure at Spurs. Before we get into any of that good stuff, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and a notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads. Hit that like button if you're enjoying the content because it really does help the channel out. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I think the best place to start is Thomas Tuchel returning to coaching over the weekend at Bayern Munich, replacing Julian Nagelsmann in, in shocking fact, fashion because Nagelsmann, I know it hadn't been going perfectly for him, but this is a guy who convincingly beat PSG over two legs. That's quite a good result. Into the quarterfinal, yeah, sure, Manchester City is a tough tie, but you you know they do have some very good players by Munich. And although the Bundesliga isn't going that well, they are only one point from the top and we still have quite a few games to go. So I think it is harsh. And I, I do think there is a broader conversation over Bayern Munich. And when you go to one of those clubs, and maybe it's something that Thomas Tuchel is going to run into as well, is you kind of are judged at that club for the Champions League, which is a knockout competition a cup competition and we know crazy things can happen in that competition and I just wonder the ceiling of achievement you can have at a club like that when you are expected most years to win the league title financially you do have the advantage of winning that league title and having the best players taking the best players from say a Dortmund or below and then you're judged on this Champions League as we know that, that you know you can have freak results so I find that an interesting dynamic and I am curious to see what happens with Nagelsmann next because I really like him as a coach. I really enjoyed his work, not only at Hoffenheim and reading about him, the early work he did at Hoffenheim as a younger coach, the relationship he had ironically with Thomas Tuchel, who kind of inspired him in a lot of ways earlier in his career and the work he did at Leipzig, getting this Bayern job, still winning a Bundesliga and you know doing some good work I think attacking wise and you look at the numbers they aren't awful so to see where he goes next is interesting and I'm sure the conversation might be had that he could be a Chelsea manager in the future but we got to speak about Tuchel because Anthony Barry came up in his uh, opening press conference on Saturday where he wants to take Anthony Barry the coach at Chelsea in Graham Potter's uh, staff at the moment to Bayern Munich this has apparently annoyed Chelsea and we've had reports today that Anthony Barry is now staying away from Cobham with Chelsea training ahead of a potential Bayern Munich move. This is from The Athletic. Um, the two clubs are not apparently close to agreeing a compensation figure yet, but Tuchel is hoping to seal a reunion with the Chelsea coach. Anthony Barry, for context, and I think it is important to bring this up because I can already sense 
just with anything now it happens on social media last week we had like the ted lasso drama and then we've had other things too where it just feels like people use something as a vehicle to kind of go at something else either having a go at the new ownership at chelsea or having a go at graham potter anthony barry leaving chelsea has been a point of contention and a a serious point pretty much since he came in under Frank Lampard in the summer of 2020. This is a guy who is highly rated. I think has been offered jobs at least in say League One or Two. I remember Fleetwood were interested in him at some point. So he's been offered a lot of jobs and this is a guy who as I say highly admired in the game. Set piece wise I think was very important for Thomas Tuchel when he was here because Chelsea did score a lot of goals from set pieces particularly at the beginning of last season. So it's not that shocking that he could move away from Chelsea after a few years where he's clearly gained a big reputation. Of course, there is the the link to Tuchel here and it does feel like Tuchel kind of getting revenge and getting one over on Chelsea. Again, a reaction to what Tuchel did. I think it was a little bit unprofessional to say that in public. Um, You know, I can understand why Tuchel might obviously be slighted by Chelsea with the way he was sacked earlier in the season. And, you know, you can't get too outraged about that. We did sack him, but... You know, I do wonder people's reaction and defense of Tuchel if he'd said that about one of our players. Say he comes out and says, I'd like to sign Mason Mount tomorrow and he starts talking openly about a transfer for one of our players. Would those same people be defending Tuchel? I mean, I know some Stan accounts just love Tuchel and I, I don't know how much they actually love Chelsea, but I'm talking about Chelsea fans here. You know, I, you know, I do think there is a little bit of nuance here in the fact that Tuchel can feel aggrieved, he can feel motivated and inspired to prove people wrong, to maybe prove Chelsea wrong, that they made a bad decision. That is absolutely within his rights and, and you know, he, he did some great things at Chelsea. But um, I do think that was just a little bit weird and I think he could have handled that a little bit better. But what happens with Barry, it wouldn't be too much of a shock for me if he does move away at some point, whether that is to Bayern Munich and whether we have reached a point of no return with him and he is enticed to to reunite with Thomas Tuchel, who he obviously you know won a Champions League with when he was part of his coaching staff. So we will see how that goes. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, not only on Thomas Tuchel's return and a potential semi-final in the Champions League if that happens, because narratively feels like that 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 could be the way it goes this season um and would be incredible to kind of witness Thomas Tuchel returning to Stamford Bridge with Bayern Munich but also Julian Negelsmann where do you think he's going to turn up next next is Mateo Kovacic um we have spoken about Mateo Kovacic like his potential exit this summer Man City are interested in him Nizar Kinsella reporting here that Chelsea are yet to begin contract talks with the Croatian midfielder as Man City and of course Thomas Tuchel circle I mean be prepared now to hear every single Chelsea player who could leave this summer be linked with Thomas Tuchel. I wouldn't be stunned if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's name is linked to Tuchel. When Thomas Tuchel became Chelsea head coach in January of 2021, literally within days, we were being linked to every PSG player. I mean, Marquinhos was being linked, Verratti was being linked, Kimpembe was linked. It's not, this happens so often. And just because there are rumours about it, doesn't mean it's going to happen and I think that is something to be aware of it's, it's just very easy clickbait at this time of the season particularly with Tuchel his strong links to Chelsea and the potential of a Bayern Munich move in the summer it, you know we, we see it all the time but I do think with Kovacic there is a, a dilemma here with what you do with him because at his age and he's had quite a few years at Chelsea now you know if you are counting his loan year uh, before we bought him permanently from Real Madrid in the 2018-19 season. We've seen a lot of Mateo Kovacic at Chelsea. And there's been some good performances. There's been some good runs. I think his best run in, as a Chelsea player was under Thomas Tuchel last season. That was his most consistent run of games where he looked a more refined player. 
but there always have been those criticisms of him, uh, particularly with an end product. And again, we've this is kind of referring to what we, we were having with the Mason Mount discussion recently, is I, I think this new ownership is going to look to make profit on players when they can. And if Kovacic isn't going to stay, if you can make a decent profit on him, and I think that particularly with the value he probably has in modern football, I think you could get a decent fee for him. Is it the worst thing to lose him when you've got, say, an Andre Santos, a really young midfielder we've invested in coming into the team? Obviously, we've invested in Connie Chukameka, Enzo Fernandez. We've still got Conor Gallagher. Are you keeping Mason Mount? The potential of another new central midfielder coming in this summer. You're potentially handing in Golo Kante a new contract. I think these are all things to bring into the conversation in terms of this summer and the shake-up and having to let go of players and trim down this squad. Kovacic, I think, is a popular player. I think he is someone that people see as a valuable squad member. I think technically there's never been any doubt about that. But just in terms of decision-making and can we upgrade on that player and is it the worst thing? Has he had? Have we got the best of Kovacic at this point? And is he going to go any higher in levels at Chelsea? Is he going to provide something that maybe another midfielder in his place could? Is it worth investing time into a younger midfielder? Even though I think Kovacic could stay for another two years and still provide what he has been providing. You know, at times I think he will provide good performances. You know, I think high quality performances, but... There are parts of his game that have always been lacking, unfortunately, and that has always been the great frustration because I think aesthetically and also technically, when you see him glide f- through the pitch, it is it, it, dribbling sc- uh, style in, in, in sort of tight spaces. It really is impressive. Um, but that final pass has always been lacking. So I think that's an interesting conversation. But then again, you are looking at the team and you are maybe thinking, do you want to lose now what is a senior figure who could still have years ahead of him to go and could develop that final part of his game at this age? Is that unlikely? Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. A few more things before we wrap up today's news show that I do want to touch on. The leaked picture of the home shirt. Uh, for next season this didn't come through footy headlines surprisingly they usually do drop something at this time of the year they've shown sort of like the general color scheme so actually this is not that dissimilar so with what we've heard of footy headlines this does feel quite legit this is apparently on screen now um, and if you are listening on the podcast I definitely suggest go and watch the YouTube version but we've got no collar this year uh, kind of like a little bit like we do this year with the the white shirt with that kind of design that I think is a little bit um, of a downgrade for this season's shirt and then in gold we have the, the badge the Nike logo it does have the free logo but it's highly highly unlikely that the free logo remains. And then on sort of the sleeves, you can sort of see white on the side. I don't know if that goes all the way down the sides there, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of a homage to a 90s kit, which I think could make it very popular, particularly on the sleeves there. The sort of the mix of, of I think, navy and white and, and gold there. I could see this shirt being quite popular and being one of the, the best that Nike have created. If this sort of template, if this leak is accurate because I think it's a very very good design I think it's simplistic it's not a mess like the couple of recent shirts particularly the the last season one that I absolutely hated that I just thought was a complete cluster fruitcake and uh, yeah I like it so we will see if this is the accurate version but I like it I've got to say I give a I give a tick on this one uh, compared to other shirts in recent years that have been divisive uh, by night because they haven't always hit it out the park with the home shirts and I have seen certain concepts for the away shirts and they look pretty decent too so we'll see them i'm sure getting revealed in the upcoming months the last two things to speak about mason mount the contract situation and it's just brief here it's kind of the non-updates we're seeing now where 
big accounts, big reporters who are supposed to be, you know, breaking and pride themselves on breaking big transfer stories, effectively tweeting nothing that we don't already know about situations and about the player and about their future. It is not an exclusive. It is not groundbreaking. It is not inside info to tell me that Mason Mount could leave or could stay at Chelsea. That is the possible outcomes of his contract situation. That is not an update. That is not something that should be reported as big news because we know that already. That's insulting people's intelligence. And it's the same I've seen a report today and Chelsea, you've tweeted about this. It's not an exclusive to say Mason Mount could go to Bayern Munich because again, he could go to Bayern Munich. He could go to Liverpool. He could go to Man City or he could stay at Chelsea. All of these things are a possibility at the moment. That's not saying he will do it. And I think that there is a lot of speculation and it's kind of the ongoing contract drama that we see now um, and kind of non-updates that we see posted that get a lot of traction online but don't actually tell us anything we don't already know. I, I saw a report, you know, in terms of Chelsea having to cut down their squad this summer. If you're a Chelsea fan and you're kind of, and you know, you just look at the squad, you're like, well, yeah, Chelsea do have to cut down the squad. That is not groundbreaking news that is not something that I'm sat here going wow I didn't see that coming like that's really great insight no it's something that should be blindingly obvious to anyone analyzing the current Chelsea situation so I just see things like that and I see it reposted because there's certain journalists who you know I think that for some of those who do great reporting who when you know Matt Law talks about an exclusive that usually means he's got a a great exclusive and that exclusive is actually going to tell you stuff that you don't already know or kind of tells you something that's going to happen compared to the non-exclusives and the non-updates that give you so many hypotheticals and so many kind of defense mechanisms in it to basically say, well, this could happen, but it might not happen, but it may happen, but it might not happen. That doesn't tell me anything. And I think, you know, you should be aware of that with these non-updates, particularly around contract situations uh, that continue to play out. Because I just think it, it fuels sort of the divide and outrage on social media when that isn't really a story to begin with. The final thing is Antonio Conte. So I was trying to find the clip of me. I think I was on Football London, a, a football.london stream. Uh, and this was, I don't think it was regarding Spurs. I think it was regarding when there was rumours that he could join Man United back in 2021. And I think I said something along the lines of, I just can't see it happening or I can't see it being a success. Because if you watched, I, I did a video back in, I want to say May 2020. So the pandemic, so a period when there was no football on. And I reassessed his two years, Antonio Conte at Chelsea, where, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, I think I may have called it. And of course, amazing first year, but I had a lot of criticisms in the second year. And it's not that much of a surprise to me the way it's played out at Spurs. It really hasn't. And I do think Conte, you know, as a Chelsea fan, it is funny to look at a situation where once again, Spurs are in limbo. They're in a situation where they look like a mess that they're bringing in coaches who they think are going to get them trophies, but then don't get them trophies and still have the collateral damage but, you know, no success to go with it. That is funny. But I do think from a Conte point of view, this can, should probably be it for him in the Premier League. And I do think there is a lot of excuse making for Antonio Conte. Um, I felt his outburst last week that effectively ended his time there was just insane and just ridiculous. You know, it, it was bizarre watching a coach lambast a mentality as if he isn't responsible for that situation. If, if he isn't responsible for being the coach to change that. And it's the typical Conte thing that infuriated me in his second season at Chelsea that I think was highly unprofessional, where he managed to derail a season and fail to get Champions League football with a squad that he should have at least got third or fourth with that year. He was second on New Year's Eve and he somehow managed to finish fifth. 
you know, he complains constantly about transfers. It's the same with Spurs this year. And um, the stale football, you know, it, and and also the very obvious struggle that he has when he, he has to do with Champions League football and Premier League football combined. When he has once one game a week to prepare for, he's an amazing coach, as we saw at Chelsea. Uh, but I do want to say this should put the nail in the coffin of any nonsense argument I ever hear again or nonsense description of the 16-17 Chelsea squad being labelled average. Because before Conte took the job at, uh, at Spurs... A lot of people looked back at his career and spoke about that Chelsea squad that he took over as if it was some kind of average, um, just mediocre team when it couldn't be further from the truth. He inherited a, a squad, a majority of players who sure had just finished 10th, but also the season before that won the Premier League and had some of amazing players either in their peak some of our greatest ever players you know you look through that team Thibaut Courtois I know we don't like him now but he had an incredible season that year was one of the best goalkeepers in Europe Cesar Blaqueta, a younger Cesar Blaqueta, who was still in his peak David Luiz he managed I think to get the best out of him uh, Gary Cahill of course was a brilliant Chelsea player I think the, the two big tactical things was the wing backs and, and I think the big credit I give to him is Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso, absolutely. But you had N'Golo Kante, you had Cesc Fabregas, you had Nemanja Matic and Nemanja Matic creatively that year was incredible. You had Eden Hazard, Willian, Pedro, Diego Costa. You had all of those players and sure, he absolutely deserves so much credit for what he did to transform that team, put them in a system that worked and won the Premier League. The 13 game winning run was ridiculous. But the idea that he took over some nobody team that was never expected to do anything or just didn't have the talent or the potential to do anything is just a nonsense. And I think that that's, this is kind of the firmest proof that Conte seems to have this very weird thing where he can inspire great things in a team. But very quickly it derails and very quickly it becomes very miserable. And I think it says a lot that his one achievement that he had at Spurs other than Chelsea was managing to get less words about him in his exit statement. I didn't know that was possible, but somehow he's still done it. And uh, listen, it's funny seeing Spurs, you know, fail once again. But at the same time, you know, Conte, I think there needs to be a nuance when discussing him. This is a guy who... I think can wreck a lot of things at a club, but then we know obviously the benefit that he gave to Chelsea. Um, but I do have a lot of problems with with his second season in hindsight. I think he did a lot of um, things that really derailed us for a short period of time. And I just feel that, you know, I think he gets aware of it because he's seen as a big title coach. And I think to be a big title results first coach and you aren't bringing those results you know, what else is there left? And, and that's why I think Spurs had to part ways with him and they did. So that is my opinion on Conte. Those are my feelings on the, the news today. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's show. Hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Please do give us a positive rate and review if you're listening on the podcast. And I will see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.